I'm I'm very excited to see like how they modernize the legally blonde franchise to be like anyway uh the Supreme Court is extremely bad glad we stuffed it full of a ton of leftists I just want the whole movie to be uh uh Mean Girls but Supreme Court edition and every couple of minutes it just cuts to Reese Witherspoon tackling Amy Coney Barrett lookalikes <laughs> jungle soundtrack in the back. <laughs> Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm a Delta New. And this week, we watched two versions of Legally Blonde, the 2001 Reese Witherspoon feature, and the 2007 Withouterspoon musical. Before we get an LSAT score of more than 174, you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for a monthly newsletter, through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter at MortifiedPod. Layla, um, so this one is, this week is your recommendation, and um, we are, again, dipping back into that early 2000s well, uh, where we get some, I think we both agree, pretty delightful uh, characterizations of what it's like to be a sorority girl uh, at an Ivy League school. And... Um, uh, I can I can try to summarize Legally Blonde uh, for the uninitiated real quick. It's a, a show, it is a movie that was adapted into a musical about this woman, uh, Elle Woods, who is like a, the president of a sorority, um, you know, like pretty typical girly girl, kind of played off as a dumb blonde, um, who is in love with this uh, guy named Warner Huntington III. And uh, right as they're getting ready to graduate undergrad, he dumps her because he sucks and uh, in order to win him back, she goes back, she um, manages to get into Harvard Law School, um, where he's also going, and it follows the adventures of Elle trying to figure out, you know, who she is and, you know, what she actually wants out of life. And um, it, we we see a lot of twists and turns and hijinks uh, over at old Harvard Law, and it's, uh, it's honestly, like, a very fun, exciting movie, and I think the musical adaptation adds, like, a lot of not only nuance but like great characterization that the the movie kind of stumbles at and i think that i think it was great i think both of them are really fun yeah i mean i can't remember i feel like legally blonde the movie is one of those things i saw just like you know back cable back when cable was was more of a thing uh what channels it was just on one day and i watched it and i honestly didn't remember that much of it i did remember Pretty clearly, MTV aired the pro shot of the musical in 2007, and I remember being enamored with it. And I think in college, I was just basically when the Tonys roll around, um, since we don't have like local access to Broadway, I live in Texas, very, very far. Um, I'll just like go through the Tony noms and, and just like see what's going on, listen to the music, check it out. And I it was during one of those stints where I was like, am I high or was there a Legally Blonde musical? <laughs> um, and fun fact, I was not high. <laughs> there was a Legally Blonde musical. So I like revisited it at the end of my college uh, career, expecting it to be like tacky and bad, but it's actually super good. <laughs> so it's just been like 
that and Shrek the Musical are the two things I, I pitch to people all the time and hope that they'll watch it and understand that I'm not joking, that it's actually, like, really good. Um, yeah, as somebody who has been pitched both these musicals by you, I will say, did not like Shrek the Musical, but um, Legally Blonde made up for it. So I, I am excited that uh, they, they managed to stick the landing with this one. And um, let's, should we talk about the movie first or the musical first? Uh, let's just, do we want to start with just the characters just to give kind of a, a big uh, yeah. line for both stories? Yeah, definitely. Um, so what what can we say about Elle Woods? Um, I mean, uh, she's like the, the patron saint of like young uh, aspiring law students everywhere. Um, she's, you know, kind of quirky. She... The Listen. thing I like most about Elle is that she is relentlessly positive and, like, yes. kind of, and happy. And, like, that's one of my favorite things in a character is that, like, no matter what, nothing can get them down. Um, and even when they are down, like, they, they bounce back very quickly because they have, like, you know, self-confidence, which is something that I aspire to acquire. Um, and it's, uh, it's a nice thing um, to, to see. And I think that uh, Reese Witherspoon is just a delight in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so is Laura Bell Bundy in the musical. She's got... A really electric energy. Um, Elle Woods is a shonen protagonist who's a 4.0 fashion merchandising major at UCLA and president of her sorority, Delta Nu. That's about as succinctly as I think I can put it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. She's got <laughs> extreme <laughs> monkey D. Luffy energy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she, she bounces back very quickly. And every time you think she's done powering up, she's got something else up her sleeve. Um, yeah. And I, I do love her for that. Um, unfortunately, she has made one mistake, and that mistake's name is Warner Huntington III. Warner Huntington III is... Um, probably the character that I understand the best out of all of these as somebody who, um, you know, went to multiple private schools um, and also, you know, did have a brief affiliation with Greek life. Um, So like nothing about Warner Huntington III uh, surprises me. Uh, He's just like, uh, I knew this guy in high school and I was just like, ah, yeah, this is about right. And, um, you know, I'm glad that both... the musical, like, almost takes it easy on him, I think, but, like, the movie has no sympathy for him. No, um, I think the musical does, one of the many things that the musical does well is entrances, and I think Warner's entrance is, it's very similar to what it is in the movie, but the whole premise of, of both iterations of the story is that Warner dumps L because he's trying to be a senator by the time he's 30, and he needs a, quote, uh, a Jackie out of Maryland, and, uh, in the movie, he takes her to dinner and Reese Witherspoon does something that I haven't seen since probably the mid-2000s, which is she has a character cry. Like, she cries in character and throws a hysterical fit, and it was such a highlight of that scene for me. Um, but in the musical, they transition right from the sorority house to the restaurant, and Warner delivers his breakup song to the audience instead of L, and the whole time L is in the background like trying to hum into it like mm-hmm. she's she's just giving backup vocals aggressively like the entire <laughs> time so it's just I, it's a really like telling moment if you need to know anything about warner just watch uh, uh his entrance <laughs> he's just so smarmy i hate him yeah he sucks a lot and um he is a he's drawn in sharp contrast to um the main love interest uh in this show um which is emmett 
Richmond slash Forest? Yeah, he's Richmond in the movie and Forest in the in the show. Don't ask that's, why. I have no idea. That's a wild change, but whatever. Um, I feel like you have a lot of strong Emmett opinions. I think he's you know largely fine as a protagonist. Um, I, I like his characterization in the musical as somebody like who's guiding Elle and sees the best in her and like is sl- slowly sort of like pushing her to- towards her greater potential. Um, how do you feel about Emmett? I think I have two rules for men that I'm interested in romantically. Um, you are, you could be one of two things. Um, you can be dumb as rocks and have two hobbies and only enough room in your brain to love me. Or if you're smart, your face has to look like a bird said a prayer to become a man. And Christian Borle plays Emmett in the musical does that for me. <laughs> he is very smart and very encouraging and a darling. And and he looks like a toucan. He yeah, looks like a beautiful bird. And I love him so much. I think the thing that endears me, honestly, like, like thirsty brain off, uh, uh, hydrated brain on. I think the thing that's the most endearing about both iterations of the character is just his chemistry with Elle. I like it less in the movie um, because I don't know when I watched it this time, I was like, he really coddles her. Like everything he does feels like a favor. Um, and not like he's genuinely impressed by her most of the time. Like it's, it's weird, but in the, in the musical, he's like accompanies her everywhere. They're really good friends. They like do things for each other. And, uh, it, like when I started watching the musical, I, I was watching Elle and I was like, she's really, I didn't remember her energy being like this low. Not that she was low energy, but in comparison to the other sorority sisters, she was kind of subdued. Um, and then as soon as, as soon as Emmett gets on stage, the two of them have such just like electric chemistry. It's so fun to watch. So I think, I think the way the two of them interact is also, um, important to his character because otherwise he's just kind of like a boring goody two shoes in khaki. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's, it's the chemistry that between those two characters and like we, in the musical, especially we see how like it, it develops. We see him like start pushing her and teasing her, but also like he, you know, gives her like hair products or whatever. He gives her, he gives her two in one shampoo and conditioner, which I thought was hysterical uh, because that's such a dude gift to get for someone that you care about. Cause it's like, Oh, you're, I know you care a lot about your hair. So I wanted to give you, you know, this will save time on it. Like, <laughs> you know, this is good. Right. <laughs> oh, that was such a good character interaction for them too, though, because like, you know, help. Th- she's from UCLA. She's got wealthy parents. Like, when her mom was trying to talk her out of law school, she's like, how about I just get you a Birkin? Like, and for those of you who don't know, Birkin bags, very expensive. Uh, like thousands of dollars expensive. Uh, and so, you know, her dad, like, pays her way to Harvard. This wasn't a secret. This is a thing her and, her and Emmett talk about. But the when he hands her the two on one shampoo, she doesn't, like, reject it. She, like, plays really nice about it. She's like, oh, you're so sweet. It's just, like, a nice... I don't know. I feel like Ellen in the movie is a little more vapid than that for some reason um, that we'll get into later. I have some theories, but I don't know. It was just a charming little exchange. It was so sweet. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, we also get Vivian Kensington, who is uh, uh, Warner's fiance in the movie. And then he becomes her. Uh, he's her girlfriend. He's she's his girlfriend halfway through the musical until they get the internship. Right. Yeah. And then he proposes and. Then, then we get that great song, um, So Much Better, um, which we, I'm sure you have thoughts about. We'll talk about that in a bit. 
Um, but like Vivian, right? I, again, this isn't this is one of the strengths of the musical over the movie is that like Vivian kind of sucks in the movie. Like I, we we do get like at the, at the very end we sort of get like this bonding between Vivian and Elle once they start to become like closer friends. They talk about how Warner's kind of pathetic. Um, but like in the movie, she's very mean to Elle for basically no reason except for the fact that she's his um she's her partner's ex and like in the musical we sort of get like more of a uh you know she's still pretty cutthroat but like we we see that there is more of a a humanist side to her um i don't know what are your thoughts on vivian yeah i i'm right there with you i think the only thing the musical's missing for me is that scene where vivian and uh l bond over the fact that warner can't do laundry at the age of 20 whatever um but yeah, you're right. She's, she's her and um, there's a character named Enid who comes up a couple of times. She's a hilarious lesbian. Uh, Enid in the movie is vicious to Elle for like for no reason vicious to Elle. And it doesn't get resolved ever until they're at graduation and Enid's just like smiling at her. And I'm like, but you never apologized for like lashing out at her because you thought she might call you the D slur for a lesbian. I'm like, what? You pushed this hypothesized situation onto her and then got mad at her and it never got resolved. Vivian's kind of the same way. Like she just gets really mad at Elle. That being said, they have some really great exchanges in class where they like duel it out while answering questions. And sometimes it's funny, but like, you know, uh, the whole crux of the, the, movie is that Callahan, Elle's professor, who we'll get into in a second, hits on her. In the movie, he feels up her leg. In the musical, he just kisses her, which is both are gross and bad. Um, and I actually, like, physically can't watch the scene in either iteration. I have to, like, look away or do something else. But um, in the movie, Vivian, like, she witnesses the event in both iterations of the story, but in the movie, she, like, believes that Elle is sleeping with Callahan. But in the musical, she doesn't, which I think helps a lot because overall, the musical just like tightens up the story, gets rid of a couple of characters that don't contribute anything really to the to the thing. And it gives Vivian more to do with Elle. Um, I think the best, I think one of the greatest like, quote unquote, girl code interactions they have is like, uh, while Vivian's trying to convince Elle to come back to court, uh, she's like, in the middle of the song, she's like, uh, you're my muse and you've got the best freaking shoes, which is like such a girl thing in terms of like, even if there's a, like another woman you like hate, you still find something to like about her, even if it's like out of spite, you know what I mean? And for some people that reads as jealousy, but like for Vivian, like even, even while she hated Elle, she was like, God damn, those shoes are cute. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, I don't know. I thought it was good. But yeah, Vivian, um, I, I like her a lot more in the musical than I do in, in the, in the movie. Yeah, and I just think the musical has stronger characterization overall. Um, there's also Paulette, who is, like, the salon. Uh, I don't know if she's the owner or the worker at the salon, but um, she, she like, is the person that Elle comes to when she's having, like, the first bad day of class. And, like, they sort of bond um, when she's getting her nails done. And Elle eventually helps her out with, like, some getting her dog back from her shitty uh, former partner. And, like, she helps um, Paulette hook up with the UPS guy. Oh, the uh, UPS guy, Kyle. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Kyle. Kyle's great. Um, <laughs> even if it's just for his, I've got a package. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great delivery. 
Yeah, in the um, I think in the musical, Paulette is the owner and she's a hairstylist, and in the show or sorry, in the movie, she's just a worker and a nail tech. Okay, yeah, that that that's that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, she's also great. Um, a, a, a huge like a hugely underrated part of of the movie, I think, is, is Paulette and and Elle's interactions. I think it really goes a long way to like both show that Elle is like not only competent but very empathetic. Like that's her whole deal is that like she. Elle is never mean to anyone uh, unless they are mean first in this movie. Like, and that's what I appreciate about, about her. Like, like in the, in the movie, like she's just like when she sees Warner's brother's fiance or whatever, she like, she, she looks, like, looks over to the woman next to her and she's like, have you seen this? Like, she's like immediately like hitting up people for conversation, which I think is very <laughs> nice. And I wish I had that superpower. Um, but like, yeah, I, I do really like look the way that um, Ellen and Paulette develop their friendship. Uh, and lastly, there's Professor Callahan, who's like this kind of, um, you know, smarmy, notoriously tough professor that everybody, you know, wants to, you know, be close to because he gives out this big internship um, for like four students in his class or whatever. And it's it's like a big deal. And, you know, if, if you get in this internship, you have a base, you have a uh, guaranteed career as a lawyer so like it's you know the most coveted thing um he's you know undoubtedly the worst character um because he's like very evil and bad and you know does creepy dude things like like Layla said he hits on l that's sort of like the the climax of the movie where he's just like i only really wanted to uh have you on my team because uh i thought you were hot he sucks really bad again i think the musical does a a lot better job characterizing him it doesn't feel like this weird creep moment comes out of left field like it did in the movie um but uh yeah he sucks yeah um i mean i don't think it necessarily comes out of left field in the in the movie either but again i you grew up as you know when you have tits you just generally wear it's gonna say like you probably have better better (laughs) intuition about this than i do yeah, I mean, you just, you know, any, any, any man in power, just, um, you always have, even if you trust them, you have a, you have a little sense in the back of your head, watching, just keeping your eye on them. And, uh, I think the thing that set me off about Callahan, which, like you said, he's like this classically smarmy professor archetype that's like, you know, if, if you've been kind of indoctrinated into the myth of the suffering for the craft bullshit that every profession has, um, he's like the one you want on your side, but like he, all he does is asks Vivian to get him his coffee in the movie. Like that's, she yeah. doesn't get to do anything. She just gets his coffee all the time. And I think in the musical, <laughs> this this had this had no buildup or context within the musical. If you hadn't seen the movie, which was kind of a bummer, but like he does ask Warner to get him his coffee when he's being a little bitch, which was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I did appreciate that switch. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, Callahan, fucking equal opportunity douchebag. But um, <laughs> yeah, he sucks very, very badly and um, is a jerk and bad. Yeah, that that sums up the main characters. Um, so let's talk about which one, which version we liked better. Um, I feel like you're gonna have more to say, so I'll go first. Um, like I've like I've been talking about, like I just think that the musical did a lot better, like, writing-wise. Like, I think that there's so many more important fleshed-out character moments. And like you said, you know, they dropped some characters that weren't necessary. Um, Overall, I think the musical is better, but I do think the movie is funnier. And I think that a lot of that has to do with just the way that that it's structured, right? It it is difficult to have, like, one-off jokes in a musical. Um, But I do think that we get, like, some great lines that didn't get included. Um, 
Is the part where they're saying like law schools for people who are boring and ugly and serious? Is that in both? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, never mind. Um. <laughs> well, in the musical, it gets <laughs> in the musical it gets delivered in the middle of of um what you want, uh, and her dad is like law school. That's for boring and ugly and serious people. And then he says that um every girl has the. All the girls have different noses is the is the next one that he delivers in there. So it is in both, but the I think the phrasing's slightly different. Yeah, I just think the delivery of the jokes is a little bit better in the movie. Um so what 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 do you think? I mean, I've kind of already piece by piece dropped the breadcrumb trail of to the fact that I think the musical is a lot better, but I think uh from like a you know, a, I guess a more academic standpoint, uh I think it's better because it's tighter um like fat gets cut in a really great way because i i have this theory that like much like you think that movies before 1994 are either cursed or shouldn't exist um <laughs> i think that movies between 1994 and 2006 had one critical flaw which is they either were one rewrite short or had one rewrite too many um and i think this one was one rewrite short it felt like there was just a lot happening and it just wasn't as tight as it could have been um and uh, not to mention, I think Elle has more of a reason to like be passionate about law in the musical. In the movie, she's still kind of dumb. Like, it tries to play her as accidentally smart, but in the musical, she's like smart, smart. She reads that sales lady for filth in the beginning um, when talking about half loop stitches on China Silk. And then when they go to get paulette's dog from her ex-boyfriend in the movie she just kind of like says legal words at him to scare him um but first of all dewey in the musical is so fucking funny because he comes out with his like tank top just like up above his big belly and the moment he sees Elle, he just sucks it all into his <laughs> it's very good <laughs> it's incredible um but in the musical, uh, first of all, Emmett's there and he like pulls her aside for a second. He's like, oh, they were together for 10 years. And she stops her a second and she goes, <gasps> and then she reads him about um, common law marriage, which in the movie, they're only together for eight years. And I'm like, like, that's just such a small thing that got tightened up in a really good way. And the whole musical is like that. Um, so and then as soon as that scene's over. She, like, pulls Emmett aside. She's like, I think I'm high. Is this what being good at law is? I get to help people? So it's just missing some of, of that kind of deeper development for her, I think. Um, not that it's, I, I mean, a deeply enjoyable movie. Watch the shit out of it. But um, I, I like the musical uh, quite a bit better because of those reasons. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. There's just, you know, there's just a, lo a lot of, you know, it, it's had time. I think that's another thing is that the musical came out afterwards. So it had time yeah. to like react to the criticisms and like sort of be like, okay, here's here's some things that, you know, work and don't work. And the fact that the musical came out, you know, six years later also helped it like adjust to, you know, a little bit more modern sensibilities. Not to say that like <laughs> the 2001 and 2007 were that much different culturally speaking, but you know, um, yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely adjustments made. Because, uh, I mean, like we said, it is a bit of a relic of its time. Um, also, the musical is full of bops. Straight bops. Even if one of those bops is quite relic-y. <laughs> uh, yeah, is that the gay or European one? <laughs> <laughs> Just, 
the most fun thing to watch, but you're sitting there and you're like, damn, should I be laughing at this? And my answer is, you know what? I know better. So yes, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the context around, the song is called They're Right There. If, if you're if you're looking to, to listen to it, it's, um, again, I'm one of those moments that really got tightened up because in the movie, um, by the way, in the movie, the guy's name is Carlos. In the musical, his name is Nikos Argitakos. They make him Greek in the movie instead of Hispanic. Um, and in the movie, uh, Elle is, like, tapping her shoes at him because he's taking too long with the water fountain. And he, like, says some bitchy gay thing about Prada. And then she goes into the courtroom and she's like, oh, straights don't know about Prada as, like, everyone's in tailored suits. I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in the in the musical, she does the bend and snap and it doesn't work. And she runs into the courtroom and she does it and it works on all the guys, including Warner and Callahan. And she's like, see, he's gay. And Callahan is like, is he gay or European? And they do this eight minute musical number surrounding that, which uh, everyone gets involved and it gets revealed that he is gay and European because um, he gets outed by his his, his boyfriend and Emmett in tandem. Um and it's one of those things where you're watching it and you're like, I don't know if I should be laughing at this. But because, again, because, like, we know better, I'm like, just the staging itself is just real good. Yeah, I mean, that was probably, in both iterations, I think the weakest part, which is like, oh, and your boyfriend's name is, and he says Carlos. his boyfriend's name. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, good. I don't know. I feel like they could have portrayed deployed that better but like in general i think it is a little bit more fun as long as you acknowledge that like it is playing on some pretty old and dated stereotypes um and um you know but for the time it was like oh haha you know the french get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah they make some i mean i think the thing that makes that song funnier is that it does shit on europe (laughs) in a really great way (laughs) I don't know, man. I've lost a lot of my stomach for shitting on Europe uh, over the past several years. I mean, that's true. I mean, I feel like by virtue of being European, I can make fun of the French a little bit. You know what I mean? I was born in in, in Moscow. I, feel I guess like that's I have true. Some, you, some yeah, right. you have um, you have uh, you have a history with the French. You can you can dunk on them all you want. Yeah, um, I mean, I also just like to dunk on the French for fun because they're very dunkable. But uh, yeah, the rest of Europe kind of has their shit together now, so. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it's 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 difficult, and for context, these deep sighs are coming from the fact that the uh, twenty twenty United States elections in two days for us right now, as of recording. So that's where the deep sighs are coming from. But don't worry about that. I'm sure it'll all turn out fine. Anyway, <laughs> um, can we talk about the just wild sponsorships that are in these films, both of these shows? Yes. I love blatant sponsorships. The movie opens with, first of all, a banger from the early 2000s, the Perfect Day song, and then it just pans lovingly down to Clairol Herbal Essences. And I'm like, oh. And I'm pretty sure it was a brunette hair dye, and I'm like, but she's blah. (laughs) So that was that. And then, of course, in the musical... In the musical, like, <laughs> Emmett, like, goes into Elle's room to, like, critique all her stuff and be like, oh, hey, yeah, you you have this vanity, but, like, it used to be a desk. Um, and then, like, he goes and, like, kicks over this, 
this can. He's like, oh, what's this? And he's, she's like, oh, it's Red Bull. I use it to help me study. And then she introduces it to him like later. And then he's like, man, I love Red Bull. It gives me energy. <laughs> one Red Bull, like, can. It it's is a multiple. shelf. It is a dedicated shelf in the dead center of the set. Not art-directed, not coordinated. Not, there's no, like, frou-frou, like, cute little vase on there or anything to spice it up. It is a shelf of Red Bull. And it comes back 20 minutes later and Emmett's, like, shaking, drinking Red Bull on the fucking laptop. <laughs> um, there was that one and... There's also um, a JetBlue reference. JetBlue. Um, and an Allstate reference in the musical. <laughs> And an Allstate reference, yeah, which, I mean, like, get your money, Legally Blonde the Musical. That money paid for some three locations in the opening number alone. There's a fireman pole quick change. There's so many costumes for everyone. <laughs> like, um, you know, worth it. Uh, uh, even if, even if uh, in the middle of a song you have to stop to go, uh, we all flew here on JetBlue. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> really, thank Corporate America in the middle of your musical number about... Um, trying to get Elle into Harvard with a marching band. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> also, um, shit, I forgot to mention this. Probably my favorite part of the musical is that um, her sorority sisters exist. Um, like, whenever they need to, like, give Elle a pep talk or she needs to vent to someone, they show up and she's like, how did you get here? You guys are on the other side of the country. And she, they're like, no, Elle, uh, we're not actually here. We're a Greek chorus. And <laughs> just, like, straight up being like hey we're the greek chorus and we're gonna tell you how to feel and like i love that we haven't we need to bring more greek choruses back folks and this is the best way to do it and then what <laughs> so okay i don't know where our demographics are uh but like in case you're i don't know too young or, or don't like literature enough to know what a, a greek chorus is it's a device used in like greek tragedies it's literally like the muses in the movie hercules that's technically a Greek chorus. They just stand off to the side and they narrate. And that's what these girls do. And then during, there's a musical number for the bend and snap. So rest assured that's in there. Paulette can see them. And her reaction to being able to see them is just, I haven't even had any egg. <laughs> it's so good. I forgot that they let Paul, Paulette see them. And then see? She's like, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Baby, do you see sorority girls when you have yank? <laughs> That's a deeper medical issue we have to talk about. <laughs> Paulette, uh, we need to talk. <laughs> Paulette, who, uh, uh, I mean, the bed and snap number needs needs its own mention just because, like, uh, so in the in the movie, I think the funniest one of the funniest unintentional things the movie does is uh, the UPS guy doesn't get a name; he's just the UPS guy, and Paulette like cannot talk to him, but she thinks he is so hot. And um, when the first time you see him outside of his UPS uniform, just like with Paulette, I think they're going to see the trial that Elle does. They put him in matching brown on brown because the <laughs> audience, we might forget that he's the UPS guy. So even if he's not in his uniform, he's in identical matching brown on brown, you know, just... Just for that little bit of a, of recognition. But in the musical, his name is Kyle. And one of my favorite things that um, there's a certain breed of white actress, uh, the Catherine O'Hara, the lady who plays Paulette in this show. Um, uh, we watched um, Practical Magic yesterday. There's something in there too. Someone like that in there. Oh, uh, Bernadette Peters from Hocus Pocus is who I'm thinking of. 
it is this lack of volume modulation, David, that these actresses do. And Paulette does it. And she, at the end of Ben and Snap, Kyle comes back and she like says his name in a pitch that only dogs can hear. And if you look at the actor's face, he breaks. (laughs) It's so delightful. (laughs) I can't even emulate it. I would break my throat. (laughs) She's. I actually didn't hear it. Is that it's so high pitched? I was like, oh, did, I had to go back to your notes and be like, wait, did she actually say Kyle? She she screeches it. It's she is so fucking delightful. Um, that whole number is so fucking delightful. It's just such like good girl energy. Um, the whole the whole show's like that. It's just full of these like dumb funny moments that just and it justifies it's 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 like heteronormativity i guess which again that wasn't a phrase back then whatever um in that even when l takes uh, there's a scene where l takes emmett shopping for a new suit and uh i mean talk about yearning at the end of that song um great jokes in there uh where like these department store ladies are like spritzing perfume and he's like what's that and she goes subtext by calvin klein <laughs> one of my favorite moments but even in that one uh emmett's trying to be like oh, you can't judge a book by its cover and she's like yeah but we don't live in a perfect world like i know that books with dusty jackets stay on the shelf so like it justifies it's like heteronormativity and materialism which are things we like kind of look down on in the more like lefty parts of our culture now um with that and remind you that like we don't live in a perfect world and and Elle's whole charm is that she uses this imperfect world to just like be a shonen protagonist about it and like push through <laughs> everything with a marching band and the bend and snap and a hot pink suit i i don't know i fucking love this musical it's so good it's it's very good um you know there's a lot of musicals that are extraordinarily pretentious and like try to deliver a deeper message and um you know legally blonde knows what it is um it, it doesn't try too hard to j- just deliver a message besides like hey just be nice to people and don't let shitty men destroy your life <laughs> do you hear that andrew <laughs> tone it the fuck down listen <laughs> phantom is my favorite musical <laughs> it's also a lot <laughs> oh i ain't talking about phantom <laughs> Talk about cats! Okay, well... <laughs> oh, if you want to hear my thoughts on cats, I did another podcast with um, my other friends, and we did talk about cats and how much I just fucking hate that show so goddamn much. Um, but this is not the Cats cast. We can't We can't talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber, just like Naruto. <laughs> there, is two, there are two topics on Mortified we cannot start talking about, and it's Naruto and Andrew Lloyd Webber, because it becomes a different show if we go to those two topics. I know. It's it's our, it's our trademark, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, Broadway has this, like, weird, weird... I mean, it has a bad reputation, right? So, like, people think theater in general is super pretentious, which it can be. Like, it's... You know, Broadway is what it is. It's only rich people can get tickets. And so to an extent, you have to kind of cater to that audience um, when you're putting on shows in New York City. But like, this show does it all. It talk, you know, I feel like it's just generally very appealing in the way that Legally Blonde the movie is generally appealing and proves that the story is solid enough even without Reese Witherspoon there. 
Um, that being said, Legally Blonde 3 is slated for, like, 2022 or whatever with Miss Witherspoon. And, I mean, I'll, pandemic allowing, I will be in that theater. My butt will I, be in that <laughs> I cannot imagine. I haven't seen the second one. I don't know if you have, but... I cannot imagine what, like, updated references they're going to make. Like, if it's just every single corporate advertisement is going to be Amazon or some shit. But, like, I'm I'm very excited to see, like, how they modernize the Legally Blonde franchise. To be like, anyway, uh, the Supreme Court is extremely bad. Glad we stuffed it full of a ton of leftists. I just want the whole movie to be uh, uh, Mean Girls, but Supreme Court edition, and every couple of minutes it just cuts to Reese Witherspoon tackling Amy Coney Barrett lookalikes. <laughs> jungle soundtrack in the back. <laughs> That's what I want that movie to be. Yeah, I saw Legally Blonde 2, but forever ago. Um, it's about Ellen, Warner- Ellen Emmett's wedding. I can't remember what the... I can't remember anything about it except at Bruiser's costumes. You know, that might be the best part of it. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent dogs, by the way, <laughs> in in both the movie and the show. The dogs are very good. The chihuahuas are excellent. A-plus chihuahuas. Very well trained. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's just a it's just a good time watching these shows. I mean, they, they have some really funny lines, like when they're defending this one client um, who's like this exercise woman who, who married this man who's like 40 years older than her. And they're trying to find out the the motive for like you know why she married him and then the callahan's like i mean a lot of people might think you're a gold digger i mean why else would would a a woman you know 40 years younger uh get involved with an older man and she's like listen uh if the jury doesn't believe me just show them a picture of his dick and it's just like okay we really went there huh yeah um uh in general, I think Brooke Wyndham is kind of a fucking delight because in the sh- in the musical she gets introduced with this number called "Whipped into Shape," where <laughs> she's. A- I mean, it's it's kind of outdated, but it's still fun in that she's trying to like sell her um, jump rope. It's like a yeah, a jump rope exercise yeah. jump rope, and she's doing this like really intense workout routine, but it's cut with um, Elle and the legal team at Callahan's firm, like describing the case and what happened and you know she does like the fun first part where she does all the exercise and it cuts to uh callahan and he's just like who thinks she's guilty and they're like nobody raises his hand and he's like okay let's watch some more and then all of a sudden the tone of the song changes because she's just like it's this this isn't just for workout it's a defensive weapon too and she talks about like choking and beating the shit out of dudes with this jump rope for like 20 minutes and the tone and i just She's such a wild animal, and it's so fucking funny. That number is also incredible because, like, in between the cuts, uh, where they go back to the legal team and through the the you know simulated movie, b- the actress freezes in place. And at one point, she is doing like a full on like hip thrust, like in the air, like a full on. It's just, she's just like frozen, paused there for like probably two minutes. She's just holding this this arch, and it's just incredible. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that's the one right before the key change, which is when they get louder and more energetic with the whole song. So just the physical toll this musical must take on all the women. And I say women specifically because all of them do it in heels. Every single one of them is doing everything in heels. There is an Irish jig interlude um, because Paulette's obsessed with Ireland and she wants to marry a man named Brendan, which girl, I feel you. Um, 
And she... Are you remembering my notes? Yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> good notes anyway so uh paula is obsessed with, with the idea of ireland as she sings the song in the beginning called ireland how she wants to like go and marry a name, man named brendan and she introduces the conflict of dewey blah, blah 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 but then she finds out that kyle's middle name is brendan and they stop everything happening on stage and they do an irish jig for like three minutes <laughs> wholly like, unrelated to the plot there's like aerials in it Paul, like, it's lifted, like, three times. It fucking rules. <laughs> it's, it's so dope. And the whole cast gets involved. It's it's Paulette. It's Kyle. It's Elle. It's the Greek chorus. It's Elle's parents who we haven't seen since the first <laughs> It's literally everyone in the show except for the legal team and Emmett are in on this fucking Irish jig. <laughs> Oh, uh, this is everything musicals should be, like, pretty pretty accessible and completely wild. Absolutely. I wonder, okay, so Legally Blonde, if I remember correctly, um, swept Tony's, or, or close to it, that year. Oh, she does so much better. Okay, so at the Tony Awards, um, if, and if you've never seen the Tony's, uh, it, musicals will, like, do a number or a medley at the show that's part of the appeal of watching it and she uh, uh laura bell bundy performed so much better which is the act one ending tune and like it's just a song where she starts out so depressed because warner proposes to vivian as soon as they get the internship and emma just taps her on the shoulder and points to the fact that she also got the internship and her mood changes like you said earlier like on a fucking dime and the whole time she's like hey emma remember hey warner remember that time we fucked in a hot tub all night this is better. And, like, that's the whole song. And musicals should always be like that. They should always just be bizarre and weird and emotional. And I, you know, say what you want about Lumeo Miranda, but at least he does that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Hamilton is nothing if not weird and bizarre and emotional. So yeah, Raw historical emotion. All That's all you need to make a musical. Absolutely. Is a dream and a very stupid concept. Oh, and you know what? I think more people with stupid concepts should get funding for their dreams. Because if it tastes anything like Legally Blonde, I will move to New York City. <laughs> and just, <laughs> just only pay for rent, food, and Broadway. I do. I, my favorite part in the movie is when um, uh, Elle does a random solid to that one dude for no reason like he she sees her one weird classmate that is not important to the plot at all like trying to hit up these girls and like talk to them and then like they're like oh girls like us don't date guys like you and then she comes up to him and slaps him and she's like how could you just leave me after a night of just absolute pleasure and ecstasy and then take it all away from me and he's like uh sorry and then, like she just like leaves and walks away and the girl's like oh so uh when do you want to go out and it's just like i don't know like that doesn't add anything to the movie except for just showing that Elle's just like a nice person <laughs> it'll just like do her friends a solid or not even her friends like this rando a solid essentially for no reason she's she rules yeah all she all he did for her was get a book down from a high shelf <laughs> she she did that for him Elle woods goes the extra mile i fucking love her great protagonist um oh boy if only, if only every movie had a great Elle Woods protagonist. I think, 
you know, early aughts were a lot media wise. We had a lot happening in the early aughts. Um, but I do miss just like relentlessly optimistic protagonists. I'm very tired of like sad, grim, dark dad. Yeah, I mean, ever, ever since 2018, we've entered the datification of, especially video games, but, you know, a, lo- a lot of media in general. Um, and I think that that has run its course. We get it. Men men can have complicated and bad feelings about their kids. Um, we've been knowing, y'all. We don't need to make multiple lasts of us about it. No, God, no. You know, make more Inuyashas. Make more things where a teenage girl is the biggest threat to a demon that won't fucking die. Give me that. And uh, her not giving a shit about ruining time and creating paradoxes. (laughs) Kagome out here like, hey, did you know we went to the moon? (laughs) 600-year-old dog man while feeding him instant ramen from her metal future bike. (laughs) Give me more of that. Give me more teenage girls not giving a fuck. Give me a, a, a Legally Blonde prequel. Or <laughs> oh, legally Blonde prequel thing? might actually be rad, except that then it makes Warner a good guy, probably. So how, how would you design a Legally Blonde prequel? It would be in high school before she ever met Warner, I think. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, just take her all the way back uh, to high school and let her run. <gasps> Elwood's run for, runs for class president. Oh shit, that would be that would be sick, yeah. That's what I want. I want Elle Woods running for class president. I would and watch. We see like we see her build her coalition of like friends and like see how be- she becomes like a super popularity, a super popular girl. Like maybe she transfers in from a different school and like sort of slowly wins over the senior class or whatever. And like honestly, writers, that's for you. That's our gift. Take that. It doesn't have to be legally blonde, but like give me a relentlessly positive teenage girl obsessed with L magazine named after you um <laughs> and let her run the world i think that will be a delightful watch i would watch a 12 episode season of that any fucking day that sounds very fun to me instead of watching people just be beat up or ill or whatever the, i don't know i feel like the only shit i've watched recently has been like Shit's creek and uh the inuyasha sequel so (laughs) you know i'm trying to surround myself with positive things because the world is scary so uh yeah make me make me more legally blondes you guys out there make more more of this mainstream media hey hey fake news media (laughs) don't make any more was it bombshell was the movie about megan kelly or whatever oh um not I, i think it might be bombshell yeah or like yeah, stop making that, and then make me, like, a bring it on. Make me an intense <laughs> dance movie or something. That's my wish. That's the monkey's uh, paw I'm wishing on. Oh, gosh. Um, well... How would, would, you, hmm? would you have... How would you design a Legally Blonde prequel? I mean, I think... I like the idea of, like, watching L sort of, um... Hmm. I like the idea of, like, just, like, doing a... a an interrogation of like what the the sorority system is like and seeing how l becomes like the sorority president and like how she you know how how she develops this this interest or perhaps it's like perhaps it's like that because warner breaks up with her like before they graduate so like 
she like there's like a montage in the show where she like studying through spring like spring fling and everything so it might be that it might just be like a like a training montage um where l l sort of like you know talks to her friends and explains like why she has to do this and that way we don't we get around the problem of warner being an asshole or maybe just some sort of investigation into greek life and 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 just you know breaking down the the good and the bad of it that montage is so fucking funny <laughs> because there's just a white dude trying to do reggae the whole time and yeah not, not pretending that he's good at it just being a drunk white dude about it and there's something very endearing about that I mean, that seems pretty accurate from what I know about <laughs> drunk dudes at parties. So. Yeah, I was friends with, uh, uh, this is a little known fact about me. I was friends with two separate fraternity presidents by wow. virtue of working at a coffee shop. And I went to both of their frat parties all the time. And uh, one of them, I won't reveal which one in case it's like a secret frat thing. But at the end of every party, as soon as the clock hit 1 a.m., uh, everyone just gets in a circle and wraps their arms around each other and sings Piano Man really loud. And <laughs> it's just like a bunch of... <laughs> and, like, it's not... No one knows the words to Piano Man except for, like, five people. So it's just... Piano Man! Yep! That's what it is! And, like, you know, a billion decibels. Just the loudest people in, like, a sweaty basement. Um, and I know there was like, and I mean, you were involved in Greek life, so I'm sure you have some more insight there. I know there's, there were some shenanigans with some of the other frats on campus, but like, those two were the epitome of what I think frats should be, which is just like dumb, drunk boys loudly singing Piano Man at 1.30 in the morning in a basement where their neighbors can't hear them. <laughs> Honestly, if if Greek like were more like that, I think I think we would it would be fine to keep it intact. <laughs> that is that is the Platonic ideal. Uh, you got anything else about about Legally Blonde? Oh, one really important thing. Um, that is just like a fun fact. Uh, uh, did you notice that the Legally Blonde, like the title track where she's sad, uh, is just part of your world? Sorry. If you. Go and listen to Legally Blonde, and then go listen to Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. They are the same songs. Like? Melodic. Mu- musically? Yes. <laughs> that seems... <clears throat> it is That's... a big shout out to Alan Menken. It's a big... I mean, musicals do this all the time. Uh, Hamilton, famously, is a big love letter to Broadway and um, hip-hop. So, this was... Very, I mean, I don't mean like they're the same song note for note, but I mean like you could sing part of your world over Legally Blonde um, and it would more or less make sense. Uh, it's just, I don't know, I thought it was a neat little little shout out to Alan Menken that even this like frivolous, um, and I mean, th- we touched on this in Gallivant way back when too, like even this like dumb frivolous shit still kind of makes room to wave at the greats. Um, so that's my, my one last fun Legally Blonde fact. Yeah uh it's definitely both both iterations are definitely worth a rewatch um a lot i mean there is still some problematic shit but like a lot less than i would say mean girls um so like uh you know take it with a grain of salt but but both hold up pretty well i am a um big big recommendation i am glad that we we got to talk about it um are we gonna talk about what we're gonna do next week 
Yeah, sure. Um, so next week we're going to do Hades. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, and hopefully it, hopefully the theme of a never ending hellscape, which you can never get out of is not, you know, relevant. Um, I mean, it will be relevant, but hopefully it's not especially more relevant next week, but, um, we'll, we'll talk about that game and, you know, all the, all the fun, delightful ways that they, they portray the Greek gods and the characters and the relationships between them. Um, Maybe I'll actually have beaten Hades more than once by that time. <laughs> we'll see. Oh God, yeah, I'll try to. I'll try to uh, successfully beat it a second time, also by the end of next week. But we'll find out how that goes um, because it's hard to do. <laughs> He's dad. My dad just keeps kicking my ass. Dad's got a wide swing. <laughs> yeah, and it does like forty damage each time, and I don't think that's fair. Um, <laughs> quite a bit um yeah play hades it's a delightful fun roguelike and a great time uh yeah. where can people find you aaron uh you can find me on twitter at aaron sxl where i talk about indiana's crumbling health infrastructure uh you can also find me uh at uh mb mbf and me uh where i do the other podcast with uh josh and michael we just uh recorded an episode about Midsummer yesterday which is going up uh the, the same day as this episode goes up uh and it was um <laughs> it was interesting uh too long didn't watch um i am glad i watched Midsummer and i hated every second of it <laughs> is that the one with the flower crowns yep Ugh. it's uh it's it was very upsetting <laughs> to watch um layla where can people find you on the internet um, I'm at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm actually not going to plug my comic this week because it's on indefinite pause until I feel better um, from the world outside. <laughs> um, fair, However, fair. I will plug, um, you guys should review us on iTunes. We now have a link tree, which is just linktr.ee slash mortifiedpod. You can go very easily find our iTunes, Spotify, all our other fun links, including our Twitter handles, and you should leave us a review on iTunes because somebody who we don't know left us one, and it, the title of it was Women Are Funny, and it made me laugh for about 37 minutes uh, <laughs> yesterday. So please cheer us up with some very sexy five-star reviews. Um, yeah, that's all. Yes, thank you to um, that user. Um, we also want to plug our, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at uh, keshko.bandcap.com. Layla, what is the quote that we should close <laughs> this show out with? Okay, hold on. I'm going to do something. You just have to trust me. Give me one second. All right. <clears throat>